Bow with me. Father, as we open your word, we ask that you would use it in our lives. That you would grow us up in you, Father. That we would see and hear your truth for us. And that we would seek to put it into our lives. Change us for your glory. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Years ago, mid-18th century, there were two residents of New York State. One of them was a man by the name of Max Jukes. He despised everything uh, Christian. It's God, it's uh, ideas, it's teachings, and especially it's church. Though his children asked him time and again to take them to church, he refused. As of this report, Max Jukes has uh, 1,200 descendants. Of those, seven are murderers, 60 thieves, 300 have been imprisoned, 190 became prostitutes, and 680 are admitted alcoholics. At the same time, another man, a resident of, of New York State, was Jonathan Edwards. In contrast to Mr. Jukes, uh, Jonathan Edwards loved the Lord and saw to it that his family was in church every Sunday where he pastored. As of this report, Jonathan Edwards has had over 930 descendants. Of these, uh, 430 became pastors or missionaries. 86 became university professors. 13 became university presidents. 75 authored books. Five were elected to the U.S. Congress and two to the U.S. Senate, and one became vice president of this United States. Two families, two radically different stories, coming at life from two opposing directions, and each determined by a standard set by the Father. The Apostle John, in the text that we heard read this morning, thank you, Kristen, questions our heritage. Are you a child of God or a child of Satan? So that's my opening question. Who is your father? What impact has he had on your life? Whose child are you anyway? And where is it going to take you? Are you a child of God or a child of devil? This is where John takes us. By the way, those are the only two possible options. 
There are no other options. You are one or the other. I hope you have watched how this letter has fit together. It has been, been built around uh, John's thesis, uh, his purpose in writing. The truth of God leads to true fellowship, a true relationship with him. If you're a child of God, you have experienced the love of God firsthand. It's not your ordinary kind of love. It is a, a, a life-transforming, behavior-defining, thought-revolutionizing kind of love. A love that changes us at the core of our being. Believers are adopted into the family of God. Verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You are his child. That's a, that's a, that's a huge statement. A monumental change has taken place, a, a, a relational change, a positional change. At the instant of salvation, you are born again into the family of God. I particularly like that short phrase, and so we are. I like it even better in the NIV, and that is what we are. Pretty definitive, don't you think? And that is what we are. Each and every believer in Jesus Christ is now a child of God. Ever, ever thought this through? About how important your adoption into the family of God really is? The theological statement it makes John has, and as a result, he lays out three things in response. First, it is a relationship to be counted on. That's what we just read in that short phrase a minute ago. And that is what we are. It is a relationship to be counted on, trusted in, relied on. The second thing. This is something of which the world hasn't the faintest inkling. Uh, our world thinks it knows all about God. It can accept or reject him as it wants. They think they can define him as they want. But they have no idea who God is. And they have no idea what this relationship does or what it means. Verse 1, that last sentence. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Such intimacies are beyond the scope of anything the world can know. It's something personal 
and the world only has an abstract understanding of God. We have a personal relationship with God. And uh, third, this relationship decidedly alters who we are as individuals. Verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that we will be, that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. The Gospel of John is all about changing who we are, what we are. Understanding who we are and and what we are to be about in this life. John is writing to believers about their lives, about their, their walk of faith. It's a contrast of of, of godliness and and holiness, or or as it says here, purity. This is why I opened with the the contrast in family values between the Jukes family and the Edwards family. Those in the family of God live under an entirely different value system. I don't know how you were born, I don't know how you were raised, but I do know that when you became a Lord, it all changed. It all changed. What you were is behind you, and something new lay ahead of you. It all changed. You have now been called to a holy life Not holiness and purity in a vacuum, but holiness and purity as we interrelate with our Lord and as we interrelate with one another. Our relationships are changed because we've been changed. Bernie May, at the the time president of Wycliffe Bible Translators, told when I was... uh, 11, my Sunday school teacher, Bill Elliott, invited me and another kid to spend a few days with him at his house. Bill was an executive in the shipyard on the Delaware River. And one day he took us down and showed us where he worked. It was a a remarkable experience for a little kid who'd never spent a night away from home. It broadened my experience and gave me new insights on life. Bill retired from his job shortly after Nancy and I joined Wycliffe. He moved to another town, and and we virtually lost contact. Then yesterday, I I got a letter from Bill. He wrote, My wife and I pray for you daily and have for more years than I can remember. It was a sobering realization. Here we are, 42 years since I was in his Sunday school class, and he's still praying for me. Every day, Bill and Edna mention my name to God in prayer. They ask God to bless Bernie and Nancy. Reading Bill's letter, I realized it's relationships that change the world, not programs, not systems. 
but relationships with God and the people that God works through. I owe Bill Elliott a lot. Can it be that a lot of the good things that have happened to me and a lot of the bad things that haven't are the result of the faithful prayers of the Elliots? Tennyson once wrote, More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Certainly that applies to my relationship with Bill Elliott. Relationships. Your relationship with the Heavenly Father and your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. They are important. They define who we are as individuals. This is, this is what John is talking about here. This is what he's saying. Being defined by your place as a child of God. As I said, our relationship with the Lord expects holiness of those involved. Uh, John ends the paragraph of this in verse 3. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now, mind you, this is not sinless, sinless perfection. Believers can fall into sin and falsehood. In fact, John directs our attention to it in verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness uh, is righteous as he is righteous. We can go astray. We can sin and become estranged from the family. Oh, we might be present in church, but we've still sinned and distanced ourselves from the family and, and the family values. We don't lose our salvation, but we do lose the security, the peace, the joy salvation brings. Why? Because we had separated ourselves from the support and provision of our family system. We may be present physically, but not spiritually. In sin, we distance ourselves. Have you refused to give your Heavenly Father the place He deserves in your life, the, the, the respect He deserves, the authority He deserves? Your Heavenly Father knows best. And he's proved himself to the utmost. But, but you can't receive it if you are rebellious. If you refuse to submit yourself to his truth. You're going to go about life your way, doing your own thing. Yes, probably include religion, but it's still your life and you're going to do it your way. Before I move on, I want to compare the opening verse with the closing verse of the passage. Verse 1 and verse 10. Verse 1 says, uh, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know him. And then the contrast, verse 10, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. 
believer, you are defined. Defined by your relationship with God and his people, your family. It is exactly these relationships that sets the the parameters of our characters in his truth. John continually brings up truth throughout this book, doesn't he? Who are we? What are we? Where do we go and why? What is important to us as individuals? If, if you are a child of God, you bear the mark of your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Now let's flip this over. The, the, the same thing is true of the children of Satan. They too are marked by their relationship with him. This is where John goes in this passage. Yes, there's two family systems at work in this world of ours. One is the family of God. The other is the family of Satan. And each has its own distinctive characteristics. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but Scripture often divides things into two Segments. There are two destinations. Heaven and hell. There are two ways. The broad way and the narrow way. There are two masters. Christ and Satan. There are two walks in this life. The the walk of the spirit and the walk of the flesh. And here we have two families. The family of God and the family, family of Satan. There's no halfway point between any of these things. You are either in one or the other. Let me remind you of two things that the Lord Jesus himself told us. One is found in Matthew 10, 35 through 38. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And who, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. You ever wonder where that phrase, take up your cross and, and follow me, comes from? It's right here in a context of relationships. If you follow the Lord's teaching, it's, it's not just about lip service. It's actually putting his teachings into practice. And while there is divisions within the family, and he talks about being enemies, we take up a cross and we live a sacrificial life before those that are our enemies before those who don't live in the truth of God. We live a sacrificial life. That's our distinctive. You will be different. Why? Because your relationship with the Lord takes priority. It will draw some closer to us and it will distance others from us. But we will live sacrificially before them. 
And then look at John chapter 8, the, the, the second passage. Jesus was challenged by uh, a group of Pharisees. Verses 42 and following. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I am not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. He's talking to Pharisees. Covenant people. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a father and the father of lies. Being in conflict with others, we don't like that, do we? I don't. I'm sure you don't either. But like it or not, as believers in Jesus Christ, we will be in conflict with others because we have different values, uh, different purposes, different desires. Sin defines the lives of those who have not received salvation. It defines who they are. It defines what they do. Read verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he, he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Your life is defined by, by two things. It's that simple. By one of two things. It's that simple. Think about what John is saying here. Either it's defined by salvation or it's defined by sin. John states it plainly. They continue in their sin. Either you live according to the value system you have in your heavenly father and in his truth, or you live according to the value system of your earthly father, Satan. Zig Ziglar uh, told a story about a, a baker who, who suspected that the, the farmer who supplied him butter was shorting him. So he checked his uh, butter for several days, and yes, it was uh, uh, short on what he had paid for, confirmed his suspicions. He had the farmer arrested. And uh, at the trial, though, the judge was satisfied, and the baker chagrined, as the farmer explained himself, it seems that the farmer had no scale. So he would buy a, a, a one-pound loaf of bread from the baker daily and weigh it against his butter. It wasn't the, the farmer shorting the baker. It was the baker shorting the baker. Most of us weigh ourselves by others. We look at others, we admire them, we, we see what they do and what they don't do. The, the problem is, none of us really measure up. 
John says they continue in their sin. This is especially true of the children of Satan. How much more obvious can John get in his purpose for writing? The truth of God leads to true fellowship, a true relationship with him. That phrase, continued in sin, by the way, it contrasts with where it says purifies himself. That's the contrast. Don't miss that contrast. Believers may sin. We're not sinless. We're not perfect. But sin is not the deciding factor in, in our lives, the, the, the deciding characteristic in our lives. It, it may reach out and grab a hold of us from time to time, but it's not something we, that's continual. It's not something that we continue on in. And that's the contrast. That's the difference. Non-believers are characterized by sin. They may be in church, but they still refuse to give the Lord his authority over their lives. They, they excuse themselves from living in his truth. Verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God. And who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. Each of us bears the mark of our father, the likeness of our father. Whether that is Satan's likeness or God's likeness, believers bear the likeness of our father, our heavenly father. This leaves us with a question this morning, doesn't it? Who is my father? What uh, family values do I hold to? And do I need to make a change? Do I need to make a change? In his book, Living Life on Purpose, Greg Anderson shares the story of one man's journey back to joy and purpose and salvation. As I said, we can get off track. I, I read that David, it took him two years to get past his sin when he finally realized what he had done. It didn't happen overnight. This fella had been in the doldrums for quite a while. His wife had left him and he was depressed. He had lost faith in himself, in other people, in God. He found no joy in living. One rainy morning, this man went to a small neighborhood restaurant for breakfast. Though several people were at the diner, no one was speaking to anyone else. Uh, our miserable friend hunched over the counter, stirring his coffee with a spoon. In one of the small booths along the window was a, 
a young mother and a little girl. They had just been served their food when the little girl broke the, the silence by almost shouting, Mama, why don't we say our prayers here? The waitress who had just served them their food turned around and said, Sure, honey, we pray here. Will you pray for us? And she turned and looked at the rest of the people in the restaurant and said, bow your heads. Surprisingly, one by one, the heads went down. This little girl then bowed her head, folded her hands, and began to pray. That prayer changed the entire atmosphere. People began to talk with one another. The, the, the waitress said, we, we should do that every morning. All of a sudden, said our friend, my whole frame of mind started to improve. From that little girl's example, I started to thank for God for all I did have and stop majoring all, on all that I didn't. I started to choose happiness. The world loves to trap us in its misery, in, in sin. It loves to steal the blessings that salvation were designed to bring us. The Lord can and will make a difference if we let him. Yes, a difference. A child of God bears the likeness of his or her heavenly father. bow with me. Father, as we leave this morning, each of us leaves with a question. Whose likeness is revealed in me? Whose likeness do I live out? I pray this day we would look at our lives and see who we are. Take a, a clear discerning look, Father, and, and see who we are, whose likeness we are bearing. And this is who we want to be, Father, your child. We want your truth leading us to true fellowship, a, a true relationship with you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.